0: Start where you are, bring your angry self, bring your despairing self, bring your resentful and frustrated self, bring your confused self, start where you are and we will meet you there. Welcome to episode 173 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Rachel, Michelle, and Lisa. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Rachel, Michelle, and Lisa, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12 step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I want to start with a reading. This is from the book, How Al-Anon Works. It's in Chapter 3, which is titled, Finding Help. Some of us know from the moment we walk into an Al-Anon meeting that we are exactly where we belong, Others come to our first Al-Anon meeting, look around, and see a room full of people who look, dress, and even act differently than we do, and we wonder whether people who seem so different could possibly have anything to offer us. As we keep coming back, we discover that, although the differences among us may be great, we have much in common. We come to Al-Anon from all walks of life. We live in small towns and big cities, from Bangladesh to Paris to Dubuque. We are barely educated and we have postgraduate degrees. We are deeply religious, and we subscribe to no religion at all. We represent all races, political affiliations, sexual orientations, professions, and economic and social realms. We are young and not so young, wealthy and impoverished, men and women. We are as different as night and day. On the surface, it may seem that we have nothing in common, but if you look deeper, it's easy to see that each of us has been affected by the ravages of another's alcoholism. Whether we are the parents, lovers, adult children, spouses, siblings, co-workers, or friends of alcoholics. And whether the alcoholics in our lives are living or dead, actively drinking, or sober for years. When we join together to share our experience, strength, and hope, we find that we have a great deal to offer one another. As we keep coming back, we learn from each other that alcoholism is a disease that affects not only the drinker, but those around the drinker as well. We find that there are simple tools that can change the way we feel about ourselves and our circumstances, tools that can help us get more out of living and to find excitement and opportunity, where once we found only a struggle to survive. As we watch those around us in our meetings begin to find greater freedom and greater joy in their lives, most of us realize that no matter what situation we face or how desperate we feel, there is good reason for hope. Alcoholism doesn't discriminate. It strikes the most socially prominent of families as frequently as it afflicts the downtrodden. In al we learn that if we set aside our differences, keep an open mind, and try to learn from one another, we can find a powerful force for healing. Together, we can accomplish what is nearly impossible alone. We can overcome the devastating effects of this terrible disease and learn to live again. Sometimes, Sometimes I think that I need to be ready before I can do something before I can start to make a change. And sometimes that's true. But in my experience, that is not true of this program of recovery of Al-Anon. There is a sense in which I had to be ready, a sense in which you need to be ready before coming to the program, which is that I needed to be ready. I needed to be so down that I was willing to walk into this strange, unknown place called Al-Anon, to take a chance on it. That was the readiness that I needed, and that is, the, that is the only readiness that I needed. I didn't need to believe that alcoholism is the disease. I didn't need to believe that I was powerless over it. All I needed was to be ready to walk into that room, and to be there, and to listen. And I know that at my first meeting, I guess I listened I really don't remember what anybody said, but just the fact of getting into the room, starting where I was, starting in my anger, my rage, my fear, my despair, my sadness, my frustration, and my numbness, numbness to anything that was joyful in life, because I had been pushing down feelings for so long. I started there. I did not start with a belief That I was powerless. I did not start with an understanding of alcoholism as a disease. I just started in my pain, where I was. And it didn't matter where I was, because you welcomed me. You said, you're in the right place. You said, keep coming back. You said, here's a phone number. Call me. Of course I didn't. But you reached out. You touched me. You met me where I was. And you said... Come with us. Come with us and you will find relief. So I wanted to look at the steps and how the steps really were able to meet me where I was when I came to each one. The only prerequisite for starting to work on step one, I think, is being in that pain. There's no special starting point. I started where I was. And and I had a guide. I had a guide. My guide was fellow members, and my guide was another Al-Anon book titled Paths to Recovery. We often refer to it as the TAN book. And in that book are questions for each step. And those questions helped me to move from where I was into an understanding of the step, into an acceptance of the step. They helped me to see that, in fact, I was not able to control my loved ones' drinking. That alcoholism was something that was outside of my ability to 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 control, to cure. And they helped me to see the unmanageability of my life. And I've I've often heard it said that we can come to step one in reverse, and I know that's true for me. That. In, in the alcoholic situation, I had some notion that my life was unmanageable. I, I don't think I would have applied that word to it, but it certainly was unmanageable. And I certainly recognized that the things I was trying to do to manage the alcoholic situation, to manage the drinking, those things were not working. And so that's sort of a definition of unmanageable. I'm trying to do something, and I keep trying to do the same thing, and it keeps not working, and I keep trying it that's unmanageability i can't manage it and once once i recognize that unmanageability then i can start to see my powerlessness i can start to admit my powerlessness and so step 1 met me where i was i was not feeling powerless i was feeling frustrated i was feeling like, my power was not having effect, but that that's not powerless, is it? So it took me a while, and that was okay. You met me where I was. You know, When you talked in meetings about your situation, about how you had found your powerlessness, and about how finding that powerlessness then freed you to work in a productive direction, to work in a direction of things that you could change, I started to see my own powerlessness, and I started to see it not as a defect, not as a problem, but as an opportunity. And so you brought me from where I was into an acceptance and an understanding of that first step and enabled me to look forward rather than looking backwards as I had been for so long, looking backwards to quotes before the drinking, looking backwards to when life was okay, and of course there was really no before the drinking there was before the drinking got bad but there there was always drinking in that relationship so then i come to step 2 and i at that point in my life had no concept of anything i would have called higher power and particularly i had no concept of anything i would have applied that three letter g word to which is to say god but step 2 met me where i was and in the readings and in the sharings, I found other ways to interpret the words of that step. Other ways than G-O-D, God. I I have heard somebody say, I think more than one person say, you know, at some point a doorknob could be a higher power because it, it provides you a way out. I'm like, a doorknob? Well... If I feel I'm stuck in a situation, I'm stuck in a room, and I need to get out, then that doorknob provides me a path to sanity, right? Step two says, and I should read this, sorry, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So if I'm in an insane room, and there's a doorknob, I can use it to get out and find sanity. Okay, stretching it a little bit, maybe. Many of us, and myself included, at the beginning said, well, I don't know about God, but power greater than ourselves, power greater than myself. Well, yes, clearly there are powers in this world that are greater than me. I I can do that. I can see that. That could restore us to sanity. Well, that's a little more difficult because, you know, the the United States Army is a power greater than me, but I don't think it's going to restore me to sanity. So that one got a little more difficult. But as many have suggested, as many have experienced, and as I experienced myself, I started out by taking the program, The Meeting, as my higher power. Because when I came to a meeting and listened, when I read program literature, I got a little bit more sane. There you go. A power greater than me that is restoring me to sanity. And it gave me room. The program gave me room. This gentle program gave me room to continue to develop, to continue to evolve, to continue to grow my notion, my understanding of what a power greater than myself might mean. And that was really important at, at the beginning, because where I was was not going to take me to G.O.D. God. There was no one step from where I was to G.O.D. God not happening. But I didn't have to take that big step across a chasm of disbelief. I could find a little bit of belief. I could find a little bit of sanity. I could find a little bit of resonance with what you were saying. And you were saying, you don't have to explain your higher power. You don't have to name a higher power. You just have to believe that there is something greater than yourself that can help restore you to sanity. And I'll tell you the evidence of what was happening in my life over the first few months in in the program of Al-Anon was a big indication that there was something outside of me and probably very, very much greater than me that was starting to restore me to sanity. So step two met me where I was and, and took me along a little bit further. I'm starting to listen to something outside myself. I'm starting to find something outside myself that is helping my situation it's reducing the fear and the anger and the rage and the despair and the frustration and the resentment not through my own actions hmm moving along then where am i now i have an understanding that there is a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity i don't know what it is maybe it's the meeting maybe it's the literature maybe it's the program maybe it's something else but that's as far as as i needed to come and then step 3 Throws another apparent roadblock at me. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. And, oh, there's that word. There's that G-O-D, God word. And Him with a capital H. If that didn't rub me the wrong way, I don't know what would have, but it did. Uh, Him. uh capital H him just doesn't work for me, did not work for me, which is just where I was. It was in still in the rigidity of my unbelief, the rigidity of my disbelief, that I was not accepting of that language. So maybe, again, the program meets me where I am, First off, reading in Past Recovery points out that making a decision does not imply carrying out that decision. It it only means making a decision. And I was told that, in a very real sense, I had made such a decision because I was coming to the meeting, and I was reading the literature, and I was working the steps. And so, if the meeting, the program, is a power greater than me that is restoring me to sanity, and if I am following it, then... In a very real sense, I have made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of that power greater than me. Maybe not G-O-D God, but a power greater than me. So at the beginning, at the beginning, this step met me where I was. I could start where I was and move forward, or move along path, I guess, that's forward. There was no, I mean, the prerequisite for it was steps one and two, really, Owning, owning my powerlessness, recognizing that something outside me could help, and making a decision to let that something help me. At least some of the time. Meeting me where I am, and, and gently, gently urging me forward. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. This is the first time in my life that I ever took a detailed and close look at myself. The book, Past to Recovery, met me where I was, gave me some questions that I answered to the best of my ability at the time. And it started with questions about my assets. Because, of course, when I looked at that searching and fearless moral inventory phrase, the first thing I thought was, oh, I have to dig up all the things that are wrong with me, and I know there are bazillion things wrong with me. But it started with what's right with me. What do I do well? What are my strengths? And that moves me, moved me into a place where I was then able and willing to start to look at my weaknesses, the things that were wrong, my defects of character. And I did that step as best I could at that time. And you know what? There were things I left out. There were things I was not able to see. There were things I deliberately did not see. Denial was still strong in me. And that was okay. I did it to the best of my ability at the time. And again, I was able to start where I was for that step and do it as I could and then be okay and move forward to the next scary step, five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, I got to say, my starting point for this step was hell no. And when I say starting point, that's where I was before I started working the steps, because by the time I had moved through steps one, two, three, and four, it had gone from hell no to some. I'll talk about some of the exact nature of my wrongs. There are some things I'm not going to talk about. I'm just not going to talk about them. And that's that was okay for me. It holding back, I will say that that holding back things, that keeping secrets about my life because I was not willing and ready to admit them, maybe even to myself, and certainly not to another person meant that Maybe my recovery at that point was less than it could have been, but it was definitely so much more, so much more than it would have been without doing something. And the way in which admitting my faults freed me was astounding. Because in that process of talking to another person, another human being, and laying out the exact nature of my wrongs to another human being. I found love and acceptance, because that is also what the program gives us, if we pick the right person at least. One of the readings about step five says, it is not recommended to use a significant other, for example, or your alcoholic as the recipient of your fifth step. And I would have to agree with that. Not that I ever tried, but I don't think it it would have been good for me to find somebody who, I had to find somebody who was not invested in me. I had to find somebody who understood what I was doing. And typically it's a sponsor. Um, my first fifth step was done with the small group that I was working the steps with rather than with my sponsor. And that worked for me. And in fact, my second time I did a fifth step was also not with my sponsor. Well, I started with my sponsor, but then I finished it with another person. Interesting, but it works. And in in that first fifth step, you know, I admitted what I could. I talked about what I could. And yes, I held some things back. And in fact, the second time I did a fifth step, I held a couple of things back too. But at that point, I had grown enough in my recovery to come back to the person that I had done the step with and and admit these. It, well, one thing that I had held back that I had not talked about, I, I a few weeks later opened up and, and said, oh, there's this other thing. And then there was something that I just, suddenly realized one day that had not been in my inventory, had not been in my fifth step. And and again I went back to the person I had done that fifth step with and I said, Hey, you know, I have to talk about this thing that I did and and their response was, Spencer, that wasn't in your fifth step. And I said, Yes, I know. That's why I'm talking about it to you now. And again, so freeing, because it releases it released the grip that these things that I had beating been beating myself up over it released the grip that those things had on my mind, on my soul. That's the power of step five. And step five met me where I was. It allowed me to do it as well as I could at the time. And and then I was able to, to move forward again. Step six says we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And there's, there's that G-O-D God word again. But at this point, I'm getting okay with it. Where I am is okay, I have this exact nature of my wrongs here. Let's see what we can do about it. But I can't. I can't fix these things because if I could fix these things, they'd be fixed, right? Well, maybe some of them I've just recently seen and I haven't tried to to fix them. But my experience has been that self-directed self-improvement, at least for me, not so good. So becoming ready, well, so there's a range of sort of starting points for me on that. I think after going through step five for the first time, my starting point was, well, yeah, <laughs> I want these things gone. And I didn't really, I think, dig into step six very much more than that. I just want these things gone, which was a lot. I didn't want them all gone. But that was, that was where I was. That was where I was able to be at that time. And, and the program let me be there. Let me take six, take step six, in the way that I could at the time. Step seven says, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And this one gets harder when I don't have a clear picture of a higher power. I don't have a clear picture of G-O-D God to ask. But I can still, I can ask the universe, I can ask the universe for help, say, here are these things in me that I would like gone please help. And one of the ways in which I understand prayer is in opening myself up to the possibilities, opening myself up to listen to what the universe, which maybe is God, has to say to me. And so when I put it out there, and then I go to meetings, I read literature, I talk to program friends, I listen to the sermons at church, I will hear I will see, I will take in those things that will move me forward. And sometimes that process is not conscious. Sometimes these things worm their way into me and start to change me from the inside out. And I don't notice it until suddenly I'm different. So by opening myself up and asking for help, I prepare myself to receive that help. And that's how step seven met me where I was at that time. That's how I was able to move forward on step seven. It did not require that I have a specific notion of G-O-D, God. It did not require that I have a specific way to ask for help. It did not require that I have any expectation of what form that help will appear in. It just required that I ask in whatever way was possible for me at that moment. Oh boy, step eight. Made a list of all persons we had harmed. And became willing to make amends to them all. Well, where I started on that was, I don't know who I hurt. Well, okay, I got a few people. And then there's some other people that maybe, I don't know, like I thought bad thoughts about them. Did I hurt them? And of course, there were the people who hurt me that maybe I also hurt them. I don't know. And willingness, like, no, I am not going to make amends to my loved one who is still alcoholically drinking. Like, that ain't going to work. Willing. (sighs) But I am willing to make amends to these other people. And again, the program lets me, lets me be where I am. Lets me say, no, I'm actually not willing to make amends to this person. I'm going to put them on a list, but I don't know if I'm ever going to make amends to them. But if I put them on the list, then that opens me up to the possibility that in the future I could be willing and I can do that. And and I can be where I am and I can move forward in this step because my experience has been that the subsequent steps also make me more ready, make me more willing, make it easier to move those people about whom I said, no, no way ever to the, maybe I could someday I might be willing to be willing to the yeah, I can do that by being open, accepting what God, the universe, the program has to give me. I can move into this step where I am, and I can do it to the best of my ability, and I can keep on moving. I don't have to get stuck. Step nine: Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Gotta say the the first time I tried to do this, uh, was not like the best. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I did this and I'll try not to do it again. Uh, it's not real good amends, but it's a start for some people. I couldn't, I was not willing to, to make face to face direct amends. My, my mouth just wouldn't say the words, but I could start to act differently with my children, for example. Just saying, I'm sorry about all the times I was angry and screamed at you. I could say that. Doesn't mean they're going to believe it. Doesn't mean they're going to accept it. But if I stop being angry all the time and stop screaming at them, that to me is a, is a living amends. It is an actual change in my behavior, and it is actually doing what I can to make it right. So step nine, met me where I was, let me do my amends as I was able and willing, and let me do them in the way that I was able to do them at the time, because it doesn't say I can't come back. It doesn't say I have to do it perfectly the first time, because you know what, I'm not going to do it perfectly the first time. And I may have to redo some early amends more effectively, more deeply, in recognition of the true harm that I cause rather than just a superficial understanding, and that that's okay. I can be where I am, I can move through it as much as I can, and I can come back to it when I've moved further along and I'm in a place where I can do more, I can make amends that I was not able to make previously, I can move forward. Step 10 says continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it, and it's often said, and I have felt myself that this is maybe the one of the twelve steps that I don't have to wait until I get to it in in my sequence of working through the steps. I don't have to wait till I get there to start practicing it i can I could start practicing it very early on because step ten gives me the ability gives me the gift of not having to do more step four five six seventy nine because it is sort of all those steps rolled up in one how good am i at doing a personal inventory well i am where i am and i do it to the ability that i can and i have never been able to make a consistent practice of taking inventory at the beginning of the day or the end of the day but i do it i do it when i can and when i recognize that i'm wrong i do promptly admit it and that often happens within a day or two, sometimes with within minutes, sometimes, sometimes I can catch myself before I do the thing, that thing that I do. So, Step 10, all the way through my program, Step 10 has met me where I am and, and helped me to move into the practice, helped me to deepen that practice. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, and it's got God in it a few times, it's got capital h him his in it a few times but that by the time I got here, by the time I got here, I was okay with those words but this these two words prayer and meditation wasn't really sure what they meant for me, and again, the program meets me where I am it says. Start with the serenity prayer. That was easy. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, everybody else. The courage to change the things I can, which of course is me. And working steps 1 through 10 at this point, I have built up some courage and started to accomplish some change. And the wisdom to know the difference. And this brings me to a whole bunch of other program tools, because what is what is the difference between me and everybody else? And that gets into boundaries and detachment and lots of other topics that I really don't have time to talk about today, but again, met me where I was. We talk about detachment. I started out detaching with anger, but I was detaching. I was not getting sucked in so much to my need to fix the alcoholic, to fix the drinking, I was able to to put that aside a little bit. And if I put it aside with anger, I still was putting it aside and I was getting a little bit more sane. The prayer, prayer to know the difference, to know that difference. You know, that prayer started to work in me. I started to know the difference between the things I could change and the things I could not change. I started to find some serenity. I, I can't work for serenity. I was at not able to work for serenity. I didn't, wasn't even sure I knew what serenity was until one day. I realized that I hadn't been angry, fearful, sad, upset all day, even though the drinking was still going on, even though I was still living in this chaos of alcoholic drinking. I said, is this what serenity feels like? Maybe it is. That came to me, okay? I didn't know how to find it. From where I was starting, serenity was not even on the horizon. But you brought me to it. You brought me to it without me knowing how, without me pulling along the way. Because I can't grab serenity and hold on to it, because it it squirts out between my fingers like like water when I try to grab it. But if I gently cup it and hold it, I I can have it. And it can just come to me as a gift, and it did meditation, wow there's one that, you know, I'm still working on I'm still working on it I've been trying different kinds of meditation different forms of meditation been working, sitting with other people in meditation been using meditation apps been reading about meditation and it's still not something that's easy for me but it's something that is growing into my practice my practice is growing into meditation I don't know And you meet me where I am. I don't know how to meditate. Well, just sit still and breathe for a minute. Come with us to this meditation workshop. We're having meditation at our apartment tonight. Do you want to come meditate with us? Well, I'll give it a try. Let's see how it works. You bring me along. And if I'm not where you are, that's okay. Because you still bring me along. And then step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, i got to tell you, when starting where I was at the beginning of of my program, I had no idea what a spiritual awakening was, how I might get it, if I might get it. In fact, I didn't think it was going to happen. And that didn't matter, because you met me where I was, And you brought me along this path of the 12 steps. And when I got to step 12 and I looked back, I could see that my spirit had woken up. That I was living my life very differently than I had been. That I had some serenity and joy in my life. That I was able to live with an active alcoholic without going crazy. That I was no longer angry all the time that I had actual feelings that I could name. There was no white flash experience. There was no amazing, oh my goodness, wow, kind of thing that happened along the way. It was very gradual, but I did wake up. So you met me where I was at the beginning of the steps and you brought me to a spiritual awakening. You taught me tools, how to practice these principles. In my life, in all my affairs, not just with the alcoholic, not just in the alcoholic situation, but in all my affairs. I would never have expected that. That was not why I came to Elanon, but it's what I got by starting where I was and just following direction, following you, not even direction. You was, you had something I wanted. And so I, I, I moved in your direction and that, that got me here. Something else that I knew I was not ready for, where I was starting. When it happened, somebody said, will you be my sponsor? I'm not ready. I'm not ready to be somebody's sponsor. But when the program asks, say yes. So I said yes. And I think I did okay. I can look back and see I wasn't the best sponsor, but apparently I was the sponsor that that person needed at the time. So the program met me where I was. And taught me a little bit more about being a sponsor, a little bit more about carrying the message, gave me some practice, so that when the next person asked me to be their sponsor, I could say yes with more confidence. And I could be more there for them and less there, more present, less directive. It's it's something we learn by doing, and the only way to learn by doing is to start where you are and put one foot in front of the other or beside the other or behind the other sometimes. And move to a new place. That's the only way to get there. Learning by doing. And sponsorship met me where I was. And I feel today I think I'm a pretty good sponsor. I know I hear that from sometimes from the people I, I sponsor. And I just got there by starting where I was and, and putting one foot in front of the other one day at a time. With the help of my sponsors, with the help of the program, with the help of the literature, with the help of Open Talks and everything else that that goes along with this program. We have this uh, thing that we encourage called gratitude. I didn't have anything to be grateful for at the beginning. I didn't see how I could be grateful for anything because my life sucked. My wife was still drinking. How can I be grateful? And what, what you taught me, again, you met me where I was and you said, you can find a little bit of gratitude for little things. You can be grateful for a sunny day. You can be grateful for a good cup of coffee. You can be grateful that you got sleep last night. Like, okay. And starting to find those little bits of gratitude, starting to recognize those things that I had to be grateful for and to, to express it to say, I am grateful that we had some good bread and cheese for me to eat for breakfast this morning. I am grateful for that. Help me to, brought me to start to have thing that we call the attitude of gratitude that there are always things in my life that i can find gratitude for and i was listening to an open talk recently and the person giving the talk said you know if i can bring some gratitude into my into my life into my mind it's going to push out a little bit of the crap that's been sitting there the more gratitude i can bring in the more crap it pushes out and that's true that is true I would not have recognized that if you'd told me oh well you have to have an attitude of gratitude you got to be grateful all the time and that was that was the way I would have heard it anyway you got to be grateful all the time with attitude of gratitude I would have said no way that's impossible and I'm not even going to try but you didn't say that you said fine little things be grateful for the this lovely snow that just fell at the same time you're grousing about shoveling it balance it's not all bad there is good there is always good almost always I I can always find something good, even in the midst of crap. And recognizing it helps to push some of the focus on the crap out and makes me a more sane, more serene, happier kind of guy. Not a bad gift. So there are so many ways, so many ways in which this program met me where I was. I think one more example, the slogan, let go and let God, was one of the first things I picked up because... Well, you know, I wasn't really sure about the let God part, but the let go part seemed like something I could maybe do. I could stop. I could let go of a little bit of control. I could let go of a little bit of tightness. I could start to maybe relax a little. I could start to have a little bit of my own life back by letting go of my need to, to run somebody else's life. Let go. You met me where I was. I could let go. I wasn't sure about let God, but I could let go. You know, that evolved. And eventually, I could say let go and let God, even if I didn't know who God was, I could start to have faith that my loved one had a power greater than herself that could restore her to sanity when she was ready to ask, when she asked for it, when she wanted it, and that if I let go, and my experience bore that out, if I let go, when I let go, she was more likely to seek it on her own than when I was pushing, pushing, pushing. So where I was, was pushing. You met me there and said, there is another way. Try letting go. Just try it. And I did. It worked for me. I felt better. And maybe, maybe it helped her to realize that if she was going to do something about the situation she had to do, I don't know. So start where you are. Starting your anger starting your confusion, starting your frustration and resentment and despair. We will meet you there. We will meet you there and we will illuminate paths to recovery for you. In the upcoming weeks, I have a number of Shows sort of in preparation, uh, working with people to schedule, talking with them. And these upcoming shows include a personal story, more on the gifts of Al-Anon, and I'm sure other topics as well. And we welcome your thoughts. You can join this conversation. How did, the, how did Al-Anon meet you where you were, where you are? What is your story? Please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or your questions. You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now. Hit the pause button. Give us a call. We'll be here when you get back. 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. And our website, which is therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, an occasional blog, links to music and other things we talk about in our episodes. And at the, at the website, therecoveryshow.com slash contact, you can also get all the information about getting in touch with us, about sharing your story, about sending questions, about being a guest on the show. It's all there. com slash contact. Got a little bit of email this this week. Got an email from Dana, who writes, Having long called myself a recovering relationship addict, I appreciated your saying that your drug of choice is other people. We don't hear this enough. In response to the topic of remote sponsoring, I would like to share that I have had a long-distance sponsor for many years. To begin, at an international recovery gathering, I put out my need for a strong Al-Anon sponsor and a woman from the group, someone I didn't know, offered to sponsor me. We live about 700 miles apart, and at first we talked for one designated hour, once a week. As years passed, we talked less frequently, and now some 20 years later. I still call when difficult issues arise, or if I am feeling particularly troubled. We have also met together periodically at retreats. Throughout the years, I've attended weekly Al-Anon meetings and do sponsor others, some close by, some as distant as Canada and Europe these have been rich and meaningful relationships and i feel grateful that they have been a part of my remarkable ongoing journey and thank you thank you dana for sharing your experience with with long distance sponsoring and 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 for talking about the way in which you structured that so that it it could work and makes me think about different ways of doing sponsor and i think these days with tools like skype and facetime maybe it Maybe it's easier to to still get that sort of direct connection, even though we're far apart. So uh, I'm trying to remember uh, somebody, the person who wrote in last week and asked about it. um, I guess it's possible. Uh, the The trick still is finding somebody, right? If you go to a retreat, then maybe there's somebody there. Otherwise, I don't know. How do you you reach out? But it's um. Thank you. Thank you for that experience. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Rachel, Michelle, and Lisa did. And thank you again, Rachel, Michelle, and Lisa. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link in the menu at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of these links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, direct them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening to us, we are here for you. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problem, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.